You are listening to What Do You Know, part of the 1830 Podcast Network. Find us easily by searching 1830 Podcast Network directly in the Apple Podcasts app, Google Podcasts app, or the Spotify app. Also visit us at facebook.com 1830 Podcast Network for more information. And now, what do you know? Hello, it's Chris. What do you know? He answered. <laughs> yeah, I sure did. I'm glad I'm glad you want to be part of the podcast. Thank you for answering the phone and answering the call. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, putting this together. I really appreciate it, and I know others will appreciate it as well, and hopefully they'll be a beneficial to all of us. I'm sure they will. Okay, so this is a straightforward podcast. I'm going to ask the same four questions of everybody who comes on. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, can you share a testimony of your calling? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Uh, so I've always had a strong interest in the scriptures, and after I had come across the Church of Christ and joined the Church of Christ, I always had somewhat of a desire maybe one day to be called into the ministry. And over time, it kind of grew on me, and I would find myself studying my scriptures more and more, and you know, possibly one day that I would be called, and so I was kind of preparing myself, and I read through the Bible a couple times, and the Book of Mormon a couple times, and I uh, read through the Bible one time in the Book of Mormon one time in one of those occurrences, and I, I kind of took notes as I went through um, both sets of scriptures, and I had topics, you know, like how baptism, and how um, <clears throat> I list all the, the verses or the scriptures that have to do with baptism, and I kind of do that for all the topics, but I guess in summary that that helped prepare me and so i i waited and i waited um i had that desire to be called one day I, I was in my office and i had this strong impression on me that i was to prepare that i was going to be called um pretty soon i didn't know exactly when that would be but um just that the word prepare came to me two times when i was in my office at work and i remember i would go outside during lunch and i would i would walk around um, outside during lunchtime, and I pray about it and think about it. Um, but time went by, and I got a little bit frustrated um, that I why I wasn't being called because I had that desire to do that. And maybe I don't know, maybe like a year or two after that, I uh, I was at home, and it was a Sunday Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, and my phone rang, and I pick up the phone, and it was. Uh, brother Roland Surratt, and it was the Sunday of conference, and this was in 2013, and he had said there had been some callings that morning, and um, he, had, he had wondered if I had been given anything specifically about any callings, and I couldn't think of anything at the time, um, but he told me that I was one of the people that had been called, and I'd been called to be an elder. And um, the call came through an apostle and a few others in the church as well. And one of the things that was said when I was called is uh, through the apostle that I was to know that my reward would come from God. And I really didn't know what that, that meant at all. It didn't make any sense to me. And uh, Brother Roland had asked me about that, and 
if I knew what that meant. And I said, no, not really. Um, so I, I continued to think about that for for weeks and and months. Um, but then eventually I remembered that, you know, a year or so earlier that I had begun that impression that I was to prepare that I would, you know, maybe be called soon. Um, and there was a couple experiences that some other had had in the church. Sister Deb Haynes was one of them, and a couple others as well that were given something that I would be called in the next year. Um, that was like a year prior to the calling itself. So um, that was a really neat experience. I, you know, I remember that like it was yesterday when I got that call and I was standing in my den and I talked to Roland and. He said that it happened, and I. And after that time, I, I uh, thought about it more, prayed about it, and then I think it was in June, that June of that same year, 2013. Yeah, because it was at the Michigan reunion that I accepted the call, and I was I was ordained um, to be an elder in the church according to that calling. Um, and that that phrase that was given to me, reward would come from God. Um, I kind of I had thought back to that time around that same time when I was called, and I I remembered I was a little frustrated about some of the things that were happening at work, and um, with regards to the work I was doing, I thought I was doing a good job, um, but others were uh, seemed to be getting rewarded according to the things they were doing, and you know you go in people's offices and they have some certificate for something they do, and um, and I was a little frustrated. I didn't think that, you know, I was getting rewarded for some of the things I was doing at work. And I, I really had a bad attitude about it. Um, and so it kind of dawned on me that instead of uh, looking to others for recognition, people in this world, that I need to look to God for recognition and do what pleases him rather than what really pleases others. I need to look for um, that recognition that comes from God and not the praise of the world. And all of my life, I've kind of been that way since I was a kid and just trying to do things that um, maybe other people would, would make me feel special or they think that, wow, you got this, this great talent, you can do this and that. And, you know, always trying to impress people. And that's kind of how, how I was when I was a kid. And that kind of came along with me through life into my early adulthood until I kind of was able to let that go. Um, but that's really what I feel that that was about, that phrase, your reward will come from God. And I've carried that with me through my calling and that phrase is it's always stuck with me and it's, you know, it's always been important to me and it's always been a, been a blessing to me. And, you know, you always wonder what God or what, what Jesus Christ would say to you if, he were in your midst today, just, you know, standing there talking to you. He's always got something special to tell people when you read about him in the scriptures. You know, there's always, there's certain people and everybody has something they struggle with or um, some type of characteristic in their life. And Christ, you know, he always nails, um, nails it on the head and he'll say something to somebody and um, it'll really make them think um, about the things they need to change in their life. And that's kind of how it was with this phrase that, that was kind of like my own personal thing that the Lord told me. And it's something that I've always taken with me. So that's basically it, the story of my calling. Um, it's been a really neat thing. It's been hard at times. It's been, I know it's hard for all ministry at times, but it certainly is a, a real blessing. We're talking with Chris Moran, and that was a 
that was a wonderful story of your calling. It's now it's time to learn a little bit about you. You, what is your home? Uh, uh, let's see your, your local, the, where you preach from, what is the pulpit you would call your home pulpit? Uh, it would be uh, Bradley, Michigan. It's a, uh, it's a, almost exactly a two hour drive from where we live. It's 150 miles. If you go the highway, it's 120 miles. If you go down the state roads, but then it's like an extra 10 minutes if you go on the state roads. So we usually go up the highway and the way there for two hours and then come back for like two hours and 10 minutes. The state road, just get it to get a change of scenery, but it's the Bradley local. So it's and very, even, so it's very convenient. Even, yeah, it's very convenient. But it's, you know, two hours isn't, isn't that bad really. Um, when you think about it. And so it's been a great blessing to my family that we only have to drive two hours to go to church. So, you know, it, it usually eats up a lot of a Sunday because we get up early in the morning. We leave a little bit before eight. We get up there at 10 and we don't get home to like four or five, just depending on how long we stay. You're amazing. It is, it is a struggle to get my kids to church and we're 10 minutes away. Uh, so, <laughs> so that's, uh, but, but, but yeah, two hours, I can't imagine, uh, I'm, I commend you. Uh, a good job, and and I don't know what to say about that, but I feel guilty. I feel guilty now. Well, so we're, so we're thank you for too. this. <laughs> yeah, we're late from time to time too. So uh, yeah, but, but it's it's a real blessing, and it gives us a little bit of family time to spend together too, driving in the van, and just to kind of decompress and think about things. So yeah. Okay, are you ready for question number two? Yep. How long or how much do you prepare for a typical sermon? And part two of that is how many sermons have you preached? Yeah, so um, I was looking at your questions ahead of time. Hey, that's a secret. uh, That's a secret. Nobody's supposed to know that. (laughs) Cat's out of the bag in the first episode. Are you going to edit that out? No, I guess not. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, I didn't prepare very much for any of this, so this is pretty spontaneous. Okay. Um, so I didn't really prepare a whole lot, but um, but I thought about that. You know, since 2013, um, if I count my sermons up, like, I've got them all on PowerPoint. Most of them. I mean, there's been some. Oh, I, that's great. I'm a PowerPoint guy myself. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I counted them up. I counted up 118. So it's quite a bit, but it's nowhere near what, you know, other people who've been in the church a lot longer, other ministry, um, some of the older apostles, um, they've preached, you know, probably thousands of sermons. Yeah, you do so. not have the record. I do not have the record, no, no. But, uh, yeah, and I told myself after I was called that I was never going to use PowerPoint. <laughs> I didn't want to use it at all because a lot of churches I'd grown up going to, you know, had PowerPoint, and I thought, well, I don't know. It's like, you know, some people think that that stifles the spirit, and I think it does to a degree if you're not careful. Um, but I told myself I wasn't going to do PowerPoint, but sure enough, my first sermon I did PowerPoint, and I've done them ever since for the most part. There's been a couple times I haven't, and that's, you know, some of the most powerful sermons I've I've heard are ones that don't have PowerPoint. Um, they they don't have notes or anything, right? They just let the spirit kind of direct their thoughts and impress on them what they need to speak. And um, and with regards to it, kind of goes along the lines of how much time I prepare for a sermon. Um, when I started out, I prepared a lot. You know, I would spend an entire weekend working on a sermon. Um, you know, like maybe Friday night or, or maybe even during the previous week prior to that Sunday, during the week uh, the weekdays, and then on Saturday, I spent like all day, and I would have a PowerPoint, and then I would take the PowerPoint, and 
I would uh, create notes from the PowerPoint and then I have my own set of notes that I would print out in like a Word document. And so I'd have this Word document with all my notes on it and then the PowerPoint and I'd make a couple copies of each just in case like something happened away <laughs> yeah. at the church, like yep. my computer went on the fritz or something. I'd have a backup drive or whatever. So that's all kind of gone by the wayside since, you know, I started out. Um, I had a dream actually. I'm, I won't go through all the dreams, but um, the details of the dream. It was. Yeah, your uh, reputation with dreams is it precedes you. Well, I don't. I've been blessed because a lot of my family has had a lot of dreams. Mm. They've been great blessings to me. Um, I've had a few, um, but one one uh, dream I had when um, I didn't have. I was I was supposed to preach and I didn't have any notes and I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew what I wanted to preach about, but I didn't have my notes with me. And so I was in a panic. Um, there's more to the dream than just that. But, um, since that time I've tried to not really have so many notes and the may probably this year towards the end of last year and this year, um, I've always been spending, you know, an hour or two on sermons and just throwing all the verses up on there, reading through them ahead of time, um, just to kind of think about them and what I want to speak about in each verse, what, what I want to highlight in each verse. Um, and so all I've been doing, I, I've even been eliminating pictures and things like that. And some people may not like that. Some people like pictures and stuff. But, you know, like a couple of my sermons recently, I've had maybe four slides, three slides, four slides, and they just have some verses on it. And I don't even have the verses typed out. I'm, I've been having people open up their scriptures, which – which is good and bad. It's, I mean, it's definitely a good thing to, to bring your scriptures to church and open up and follow along. I think there needs to be more of that. But, you know, if you have a, a topic that's quite long, then it's helpful if you put the verse up on the screen as well and you don't have to turn to it. So you save a little bit of time that way. But but I've tried to, um, I've tried to let God direct my thoughts more recently than what I had done in the past. And I think that's been a real blessing to me. It's really helped me grow. And so I don't prepare as much as, as I used to. It, it'll depend. You know, I suppose it would probably de- depend on the event. You know, I haven't preached at a reunion or conference recently. Um, but, it, you know, I, I know people probably, they go to a reunion or conference, they have to preach. They probably spend a lot more time on their sermons. And um, that can be good. It could be bad, I suppose. Um, but the sermons I've, I've taught at Bradley, or I've, I've given at Bradley recently, I haven't spent a ton of time on them, maybe no more than a couple hours on like a Saturday before. In some ministry, they wake up in the morning, Sunday morning, early, and they'll just spend an hour or so. And they'll go through the scriptures, and God will give them what, what he wants to say that day, and they don't spend a lot of time doing it. And um, God you know, shares beautiful thoughts during that Sunday morning sermon. Yeah, this isn't a, a critique or a criticism. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah, a... yeah. I'm just curiosity. And how many people are at your local? Um, a lot of people go down to uh, Florida for the winter. So in the winter, we have probably um, half as many people as we do in the summer. Um, on a, on a, a particular Sunday, say during the summer, it could get as high as maybe 30. Um, in the winter, it could get as low as maybe, I don't know, 15. Um, oh, so they were really counting on you in the wintertime. 
Yeah. So unless you go down in the winter to some other, unless you're one of those people. (laughs) No, no, we were always in Fort Wayne. So we, we always go up to Bradley winter or summer, except when the, you know, it's snowing or something. There have been multiple times when we've had to cancel services up at Bradley or when we, we've had to go up there during snowstorms. One time I was driving up there. One time I was driving up there by myself and, um, the roads were really bad, but I, I kept going. I was on I-69 here in Indiana, and um, there's cars off the road, and one one uh, SUV had flipped over, and its wheel was spinning, um, and there was a, a semi-driver that pulled over to help them out. But at that point, I turned around. So, yeah, yeah. All right, you ready for question three? Yep. What do your scriptures look like? If you open them up, will I find post-it notes? Will I find scribbles? What What's in your, your Bible and Book of Mormon? Yeah, so um, this year, actually, I've, I'm going back through, right now I'm in the Old Testament, I'm going back through the Bible again. My, uh, my Bible and my Book of Mormon, they were stolen about three years ago. Um, actually, our, our car um, had got uh, hijacked. Somebody stole our car because I left my keys we're on vacation and we're actually in Nauvoo we wanted to go to Nauvoo and kind of walk around there was I think it was coming back from conference one year and we had been down at the pool and I left my jacket down there in the hotel at the pool and um, the next morning I kind of remembered I left my jacket down there they had my keys and I looked out the window and our car wasn't there I was like oh no um but fortunately, the, the police found our car was just a couple blocks away, parked in a parking lot, and it was all opened up, and um, everything was pretty much gone. And so they, they got my Bible, my Book of Mormon. They didn't get my computer. I had my computer. But... Okay, this this sounds like an excuse. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like Maybe an excuse. It is. Okay. Maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, I, I've, been, I've got a lot of highlights now. So I've got different color highlighters, gel highlighters. I've used our scene right here, right next to me, pink, yellow, green, orange, and blue. And I've actually ordered some extras um, Extra a couple months ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so highlighters. And something else I've done, I've got these little sticky post-its. They're like one inch wide. Um you know, by a couple inches long, and they're in four different colors. And so my memory, you know, something that, that I'm not blessed with is a good memory. It takes me a while to find things in Scripture, unless I have a computer or something, right? Search the Scriptures, I can find it pretty quickly. But if I don't have that, um, sometimes I have a hard time finding things in Scripture. So what I've done is I've, I've probably got, um, I'm just kind of maybe 30 st- sticky notes now in this bible and like this one says festivals and days so if i open it up here festivals and days in my bible this is a study bible that's old testament feasts and other sacred days one here um talks about different tribes of israel um here's one that's where you can find about the tabernacle sacrifices Babylon exile, Zerubbabel's temple, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, this you get overwhelming, right? I could probably end up with like a thousand stickies in here. That would be too much. <laughs> but the major subjects, um, I think it's good to good to have these stickies. And something else I'm doing now, too, um, I, I was wondering how I should use my highlighter. Should I use one color for one type of subject, like prophecy or something, another color for something else. And something I did decide to do is for anything that I think is going to happen in the future, I'm using my orange highlighter for that. 
And the reason why I did that is because I think many things are going to come to pass in the future and now. And I want to know where I can find these things in the spur of the moment. Um, you know, if somebody asks me a question or whatever, I'm going to kind of, or if I want to get a sermon on something in the future that has to do with the last days, I can kind of go and find the ones in orange. And I think that'll be really helpful. And like I went through the book of Isaiah recently, and there's so many you know, good scriptures in there about the future. And so I've got orange all over the place in the book of Isaiah. Um, so anyways, I've got different five different colors, highlighters. I'm using them. I'm using my Book of Mormon as well. Um, yeah, so you can definitely okay. tell you can definitely tell how how much people study their scriptures i think by you know how many markings they have in them and how many notes there but there's other people that have all kinds of like um they'll take they'll take a piece of paper and they'll write a bunch of notes on it and they'll put a piece of tape across it at the top and they'll stick it in their bible or they'll they'll copy pages out of um church literature or uh -huh. whatever and then they'll you know, copy it and they'll cut it out and they'll put it in their Bible and tape it. In. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm not a tape it to the pages guy. I love highlighters, but yeah, when, I can't, I can't imagine taping something to the Bible or the verses there. Cause they're so thin, the pages there, they'd rip if I ever took it apart. So, but, yeah, uh, yeah, but, but that takes some guts to put tape in there. Yeah. It's really humbling though. You know, there's, you know, there's people I know in the ministry that they've got all kinds of marks all over. They fall apart. You know, maybe your maybe your scriptures are falling apart, but you can tell how much time they've invested in studying their scriptures, mm. and it's really humbling to me because I I need more of that. I'm trying to do more, but it's not always easy. That's you know, okay. Finding, you know. Are you ready for question four? Yep. All right. Please share ten of your favorite scriptures with us. And what is the message that you like about each verse? Okay, um, so there's a there's multiple scriptures that are special to me. Um, you know, this list could get really, really big, but I know, um, right? Yeah, yeah. How do you pick the, your favorite ones? It's kind of hard. Um, at least it is for me. Um, no, I did. I did ask you to categorize it like three all-time greats, or three or, or a few, and then a, at least one that's a prophecy, and some that are what are you studying right now? To, maybe so. Okay, okay. Um, so some of the all-time greats, um, Isaiah 42, 16. Okay. And this actually was in a song. Um, it was in a Phil Kagey song. He's a good Christian guitar player. Um, yeah, I'm familiar with him. Yeah, and it says, And I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. So that's a really special verse to me. I'll just I'm gonna read the next one real quick because it goes along with this one. It's Isaiah 43:19. So it's just one chapter over. And it says, "Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert." So. Um, I think these verses are all about hope and having faith in the Lord that even when times seem dark, that um, God can can bring great things out of the dark times. Like it says here, I will make darkness light before them. So it's like this whole thing with the coronavirus. You know, God can uh, can bring good things out of the bad things. There are multiple verses about that 
in scripture um so even when when times are tough we know that the lord can do it to bless us and these things help us grow as well but verses like these are special because it it teaches us to put our faith in in the lord and, and not in ourselves. and that's kind of why i like these verses and they're a constant reminder that the lord's always there for us even when it doesn't seem like there's any hope at all um the next one, I'm not going to read it. This is really an entire chapter. Um, yeah, we don't have to read the whole chapter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we won't read the whole chapter. So uh, this one is, is special to me because it's one of the first um, Book of Mormon passages that I had ever read, ever. Um, and so what had happened is I had been praying a lot about about churches and, and I was asking the Lord to kind of direct me to a, to a church. Um and this is, this is the end of the book of mormon can i hypothesize a little no it's close oh, okay, to the end okay, okay. it's close to the end um so during that time the lds missionaries came to my door and that's how i came across book of mormon that's how i ended up reading it for the first time um and i had always been intrigued about baptism right you know because there's all, all kinds of contention about baptism and differences of opinion do you need to be baptized or not do you baptize the infants or babies you know um or does it, you know, does it matter? Does an adult even need to be baptized? Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd grown up in a Baptist church. My wife grew up in a Lutheran church. Um, I was actually, I'd been baptized three times. I was baptized as a baby in the Catholic church because my father um, grew up in the Catholic church and they had me baptized um, when I was a baby. And then I was baptized in the Baptist church when I was about seven years old. And I still remember doing that. I still remember doing that to this day. Um, and then the third time was in the Church of Christ. But so anyway, you got your bases covered, I guess. The, the church, yeah, Church of Christ was the third time. <laughs> That's <laughs> so a bad joke. I'm bases. sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, three baptisms. Um, the third time was the charm. Um, but anyways, so I always been intrigued with that subject. I know many others have been as well. Um, and so they gave me the Book of Mormon, and I remember I went in my bedroom. I was I was home alone at the time. I went in my bedroom, opened up, started looking through it, and I went to the back of it and to the index of uh, the different topics, and I looked at baptism, and then it said Moroni chapter 8. So then I went to Moroni chapter 8, you know, and there's a big, beautiful chapter about how we shouldn't baptize babies and why. Yeah, um, yeah. And, it just, and it just kind of answered all of my questions. And I I had been, you know, I had wrong, wrong thoughts about it because I didn't think that we should baptize babies. But then we went to the Lutheran church and I, I kind of saw the importance of baptism, something I didn't see in, say, like the Baptist church that didn't emphasize it as much. Um, but I, I kind of was thinking that we should baptize babies at that time. And then I read that and I thought, oh man, that really totally makes sense. And it was just a beautiful chapter for me and answered all those questions. And, you know, there's a lot of intelligent, I'm not intelligent, but there's a lot of smart people. And, um, you know, Book of Mormon talks about that. Um, uh, uh, smart people out there that, you know, don't, know the truth about everything about what the bible says what scripture says what the lord wants us to know and that you know i fit into that category myself i don't know all things um and so we really certainly need uh scripture we need the book of mormon because the plain and precious things right we're taking out the bible yeah. so we get the book of mormon so we got a beautiful chapter like moroni chapter eight and it just answers all those questions and so that's always been kind of a special chapter to me for those reasons 
Um, uh, the next one, this is a special uh, couple of verses, Hebrews 6, 1 through 3. I know they're special yeah. as a whole for, for most people. Um, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism, and of the laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. Um, so... Is a plain and precious verse that you know was not taken out of the Bible, and it, it just shows those six principles of the gospel that you know our, our church believes in and and pushes it you know so much because they're they're fundamental to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's right there in the Bible. And you know this this verse has been translated in different ways, like even in the NIV Bible, it kind of lessens the importance of some of these things, but it just really hits the nail on the head because it gives you all those six principles and. It puts them all in there in the doctrine of Christ. They're all important. And I think this verse is very helpful to somebody that's searching for the truth. You know, what what is the gospel? What needs to happen for salvation? And, you know, baptism, the laying on of hands, um, which not everybody does these days. Mm. Um, so it, to me, that's a really special passage in the Bible. And if you really... If you only have your Bible and you're doing your due diligence and searching it for what truth is, and then if you have the King James Version, it's even better. You know, you won't think twice about this verse. It's really going to strike you, and you're going to think, wow, that's, that's all important, you know. Um, so I think that's a special verse for me. I know it is for, for probably you and a lot of other people, too. Mm-hmm. Um. I guess uh, another verse, uh, it's, it's a passage. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's from the Book of Mormon, 2 Nephi 12, 64 to 70. And That's not too much. Yeah, it's it's a dissertation about why you know people say we have a Bible, we have a Bible. Yep, yep. Um, um, okay, so I'll, I'll read it real quick. Wherefore, because that you have a Bible, you need not suppose that it contains all my words, neither do ye, need ye suppose that I have not caused more to be written. For I command all men, both in the east and the west, and the north and the south, and in the islands of the sea, that they shall write the words which I speak unto them. For out of the books which shall be written, I will judge the world, every man according to his works, according to that which is written. For behold, I shall speak unto the Jews, and they shall write it, and I also shall speak unto the Nephites. And I also shall speak unto the other tribes of the house of Israel, which I have led away, and they shall write it. And I shall also speak unto all the nations of the earth, and they shall write it. Um, so again, I think that's another one of those plain and precious passages that just shows that, um, you know, God's always there. He doesn't change. He can give us more of his word if he wants to. Um, he's always has new things to teach us. And, and you know, exactly like this says here, just because we have a Bible doesn't mean that God can't give us more of his word. Um, and that's, you know, precious teaching that the Book of Mormon has in it that's not, you know, really in the Bible as much. Um, so it goes a long ways and it says a whole lot about God, I mm -hmm. think, in that passage. Another verse that really hasn't been particularly uh, special to me in the past, but I've really been thinking about recently is um, the whole idea of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how far back it goes, right? Because um, you know, in modern day Christianity, we think of Christianity starting in the New Testament, right? And in the land of Jerusalem, and the Lord came down, and 
you know, it replaced the, the old covenant. Um, but the message of the gospel, you know, it goes all the way back to the very beginning. And there were people that God used that put into positions of, of ministry even way back. And one of them, one example of this is Genesis 14, 18 through 20. And I just think this is really neat. Um, it's It's one of these mysterious things that, you know, the Bible talks a lot about this, about Melchizedek. Or not the Bible, I'm sorry, the Book of Mormon does. And the Bible does a little bit here and in Hebrews. But this is Genesis 14, 18 through 20. And it says, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram on the Most High God, of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave tithes of all, gave him tithes of all, Abraham, gave, gave tithes to Melchizedek. So um, he, so Melchizedek, he was a priest. He was a priest of the Most High God, and he brought forth the bread and wine. And I know there, there are different opinions about what that represented, but um, you know, I think it was a representation of, the, of that sacrament that we have today. Um, and... It's just such, it's just such a neat thing to think that way back to the very beginning, all the way back to the beginning, um, you know, even to the back to the time of Adam, um, that the gospel was there, and I think it was being taught all the way to, from the very beginning. There's other scriptures we could go to, but that Melchizedek was a priest of the Most High God. He was an or he was ordained into the ministry, and so this priesthood it goes all the way back to the very beginning, and we forget that, at least I forget it, and I think modern-day Christianity forgets that. Um, this is a really mysterious thing for a lot of people because um, we just think about the Old Testament, right? And, you know, it's not to the New Testament that a lot of those topics of Christianity are really taught. If you just have the Bible, if you have the Book of Mormon, well, you've got people even before Christ came to earth, right, that there was a church established right, right. and there were priests and yeah, I think it's a really neat thing, and again, this hasn't been, I mean, super special to me, but the more I think about it, the more special it is that the gospel goes all the way back to the beginning, and God was even ordaining ministry way back then, um, uh, before he, you know, he set up the law of Moses and all that, um, but I think that's really neat. Hey, there's a verse, there's another verse passage in the Book of Mormon that talk, talks about um, what should the church be called, right? Uh, this is an, another important passage to all of us who believe in the Book of Mormon. Yep, through, Nephi, yep. through Nephi 12, 19 through 20. It says, Therefore, whatsoever ye shall do, ye shall do it in my name. Therefore, ye shall call the church in my name. Ye shall call upon the Father in my name, that he will bless the church for my sake. And how be it my church, save it be called in my name, for if a church be called in Moses' name, then it be Moses' church. Or if it be called in the name of a man, then it be the church of a man. But if it be called in my name, then it is my church. It will be that they're built upon my gospel. So again, very special passage to all of us. Um, it should be named after Jesus Christ, so the church of Christ. When you read a verse like this, if you read a verse like this for the first time, you know, it really makes you think about all these other churches that exist, and, and not just the first time, but as you, as you grow an understanding of this verse, you, you get a new perspective of the other churches in the world, 
right? I mean, there are other churches that call themselves a church of Christ also, but they also have to, you know, teach the doctrine of Christ right, right. to be true. Yeah. At least they got that so, part right. <laughs> yeah. So, but you go by all these churches, you drive by all these churches, and they have some name that they came up with, um, you know, named after somebody or some name they just came up with. And that's who it's talking about here, right? These other churches that have all these other names, and it, it really kind of reinforces that you just need to. That, that that they're not the true church. They're not the church of Christ. So another plain and precious passage. Another verse. So I guess I, I try to be, I'm more careful now than what I used to be. And I mean, we need to judge right and wrong, but um, I try, I, I don't tell people, I try not to tell people that they're going to hell or they're going to heaven, but I, I just refer to the scriptures. I don't know all things. Um, but I'm, I'm more careful about that than what I used to be. Um, not so contentious about it. Um, but there are a lot of passages in the Book of Mormon um, that talk about those that are ignorant, right? Um, yeah. Those that that aren't aren't don't know all the scriptures, haven't been given all the scriptures, and the Lord shows mercy to those people. And there are people in other churches outside the Church of Christ that that have more faith than I do that are. Um, you know, uh, they they, uh, they have a lot of gifts that I don't have, and God, I believe, uses them. But they might not be a member of the Church of Christ. Um, and so, you know, I, I pondered that, and we all ponder that. We all think about that. You know, what's going to be the case for those people? And I don't have all the answers, but there's a there's a passage in the Book of Mormon. It's Second Nephi twelve fourteen through seventeen, and I think this this says a lot, and it says, because of pride and because of false teachers and false doctrine, their churches have been corrupted, and their churches are lifted up because of pride. They are puffed up. They rob the poor because of their fine sanctuaries. They rob the poor because of their fine clothing, and they persecute the meek and the poor in heart because in their pride they are puffed up. They wear stiff necks and high heads, yea, and because of pride and wickedness and abominations and whoredoms, they have all gone astray, save it be a few, which are the humble followers of Christ. Nevertheless, they are led then in many instances, they do err because they are taught by the precepts of men. So it says humble followers of Christ here. I, I believe that. I believe there are humble followers of Christ in in some of these churches that teach things that aren't right. You know, I, I believe they're in their ignorance just like i might be ignorant of something i might believe something that's not right um but but certainly we are to contend for the gospel like it talks about in scripture we need to contend for what's right and we need to push what we find in our scriptures but at the same time um i believe that i can learn things from other people and other churches that are true humble followers of christ that it talks about in the scripture so i'm more careful than what I used to be about passing judgment on one person's salvation, because only the Lord knows about about people in general. Um, and I and I don't know. Some may disagree with some of what I just said, but um, I do believe there are humble followers of Christ and people that will obtain salvation outside of the Church of Christ. And I think uh, other people believe that as well in general. Right. When I think about that topic, I think there are. That when you think, uh, let's see, to pass judgment, you you seem to think of yourself as having knowledge of a thing. And that's yeah. a, kind of a, a danger there, because when you compare that to the knowledge of the mysteries of God, 
which is so much more infinitesimal. How can you, you know, put yourself in a position of judgment when, mm-hmm. when, when the mysteries of God are so much more than we could ever comprehend? That right. is the one who should be the judge of all things. Yeah. Yeah. There's and, my editorial. I told myself I wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, no, I want you to. That's good that you're doing that. And I've, I've gotten myself into trouble with this subject in the past. Like when I first found the Church of Christ and the Book of Mormon, I said things to people, people in my family that I shouldn't have said that, um, you know, very strong language. Like, I think you're going to hell, you know, and I, I could have done that a little bit differently. And I've tried to be more wise about that. Um from that experience and those mistakes I made because they, they, they hurt people and I didn't handle the situation as, as I should have. Um, and I mean, it's hard for me now. It's hard for me to, I used to listen to Christian at the time. And ever since around that time when I started reading the book of Mormon, I just can't do it anymore. And you're you're referring just, to Christian radio. Is that what you said? Yeah, because, okay. because, you know, the people that are on the Christian radio and the people that go to these churches, they fight against the Book of Mormon so strongly. Um, oh, and so yeah. it's, 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 it's just hard for me to, to listen to them anymore. But that may, may not be the right attitude. Um, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I just can't, I can't do it as easily as what I could. But, but there are a lot of humble followers of Christ um, and, you know, other churches and even people you hear on the radio, too. Um, so, you know, there's other verses, but I've taken a lot of time. I think that's, that's pretty close to, well, I actually did more than 10 verses, right? Cause I did entire passages. So, um, I'll probably stop right there. I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will let you off the hook, sir. All right. Thank you for your time. Yeah. And I really appreciate what you're doing. And, uh, I think we'll all, uh, hope, you know, learn from some of these interviews and, Uh, learn more about the Lord and about ourselves and how we can improve. Thank you. That was Chris Moran. What do you know?